this is so long too long. A true-to-life recounting of a band that, despite their very best efforts, seemed destined to break into the big time if they could only overcome one hurdle, themselves. If they weren't quite four lads who shook the world, they certainly gave their postcodes a tremble. As chronicled in our last episode, the Albany now had a set of seven songs and one sort of gig to their name. The next logical steps, therefore, were getting a gig in town and recording some tracks, and we were aware of this. However, we saw the real value in continuing to act like rock stars, both online and in real life. Online, despite there only being one acoustic demo on our profile, our MySpace following was very much on the ascendancy. As social media in general was still a relatively new phenomenon, platforms like MySpace were yet to be swallowed up by monolithic companies intent on swamping them with algorithms, advertising and data mining techniques. As such, it was quite easy to reach a lot of people quite quickly and get them interested in you, providing you were either interesting or funny. Now, of these two options inhabiting our new band persona, we were mildly interesting at best, but certainly in Rowie and Frank Button, we were very funny. Although the received wisdom of today dictates that the mid-noughties were all about trilby hats, chin-high Stratocaster guitars and singing songs about Camden, in Liverpool for some reason the predominant scene for a brief period seemed to be emo or scene kids, who favoured eye-watering amounts of hairspray, preposterously tight ripped jeans and buckets of eye makeup. It was very much not our bag. Now, of course, any scene like this provides solace and identity for a number of young people who are at a vulnerable age of development, and only a year or two later, in another part of the country, a young girl called Sarah Lancaster would be murdered for simply dressing like a goth, so any in-group and out-group conflict is at the least puerile and at the worst dangerous, and I am also extremely aware of my hypocrisy in shaking my head at young Merseysiders adopting American accents when before long I was tying a fucking Rastafarian flag to my mic stand. But we felt that we wanted to be an antidote to a scene that we viewed as inauthentic and a load of tosh. We were never hostile or anti the scene, and we had a lot of mates who were immersed in it, but to us, it all appeared a bit, well, daft. Of the bands that were at the forefront, most played punk pop emo songs that all seemed to be about teenage angst, sang with American accents that would fit into a rubbish coming-of-age Yank high school film. Each to their own, but it was not for us. Rather... We shot to the other end of the spectrum and delighted in the absurd and very unserious. Whilst a lot of bands' online posts consisted of trite poetry and black and white pictures taken from above, our posts were about our favourite deal or no deal contestants, pictures of fishermen with long beards and semi-regular pieces of wisdom from our mate Cody. Of these, our favourite remains an outburst he threw at us all one evening after we had locked him out in his own garden. I'm not including anyone or excluding anyone, but you're all cunts. It worked a charm. Although we're not talking Beatlemania here, it wasn't long before a tiny smattering of people would recognise us about town, and hearing the odd shout of, The Albany! at us solidified our sense of grandeur and gave us that bit more of a swagger in our step. All of this before our first proper gig too. We um we often hear, don't we, about um all the great guitar bands and the jingle jangle from Liverpool and one thing or another. But around the time we were kicking kicking off, there wasn't that, was there? 
No, so we were just like latching on to like the bands that had just gone and used to it being to like bandwagon late seventies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So f- for set the scene, the bandwagon was um a night in the Zanzibar, uh, ran by the bandits. Um and it was for a while it was like the centre of the universe. It was the enemy even did the piece just on the Zanzibar and the bandwagon and it was it was cool as, as anything and it was known that you could uh, the bands could go upstairs and smoke weed, which you know was very rebellious. Um but it attracted really big names. The coral cut the teeth there, along with a few other bands. And then before long they had like the Libertines, and this is the Libertines, not like, you know, um when they started falling yeah. apart and you didn't know who this was when it was the four of them and they were the hottest band coming out of London. And then I was at the one Noel Gallagher played it. That, that I mean that's how much everyone wanted to it was be a there. Poly, oh yeah, like... yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think I was still in sixth form for that. So by the time we'd formed, that had I wouldn't even say imploded. I think it had trailed off because the coral were no longer ours in that like they they've gone massive. They weren't a local band anymore. Do, do, do you know what I mean? You weren't, they weren't knocking around here anymore. Were yeah. Too busy being a band. Well, yeah, a real <laughs> yeah. band. They had a, a number one album. So by this point, like In the Morning would have been out. So that was, I think that was the most played song that year on radio or second to Beyonce or something like that. So they weren't going to be knocking yeah. around Slater Street, were they, you know? Um, so, and then gradually the, the bandwagon just kind of fizzled out. No great big bang. Um, so by the time we were coming on the scene, it actually, all that had gone, but we were just that bit too young, but we still wanted to kind of grab on to those, whatever was left of those coattails. We wanted to be involved in that scene, but it wasn't there anymore. And what were we left with? People knocking around the courts. The courts. Yeah. And just, like you say, like, or like the scene kids and the emo kids, but... We just weren't that, and like you say, yeah. with that bandwagon rolling off into the sunset, like there was nothing there for us, but mm-hmm. we knew as a band you need to attach yourself to a scene. Yeah. But there was nothing there for us, no. so like, what what do we do? Well, that was it, that was it. And when you say the courts, for people who don't know, like we are literally talking about the, the Crown Court in Liverpool, it was, um, I don't know if it still happens now, but it was the the place where all the uh, the goths, the, you had many of misspent Saturday afternoon down the courts with your skateboard, didn't you? And your green yeah, socks. I was going to say, <laughs> when, I was back in, uh, when I was back in Liverpool a few months ago, I went to the courts with like a bag of cans and that and no one was around like those ones have a drink with some teenagers as you do coming from the Jimmy Savile experience but <laughs> but yeah no I was like I'll be honest I was part of that scene when I was younger because yeah. like I, I got that into it that you know you shaved the Mohican in my head I did um, in the back garden yeah I did yeah green, went to see Green Day and Slipknot and all that yeah <laughs> uh, so like I've I'm kind of like still loyal to the courts. Um, <laughs> Remember that shaving I... shaving your head in my garden? It was a spare of the moment thing. I knew my dad. My dad used to cut me hair with dreadful results, but um, I knew we had a, a barber's kit in mind. So me and a, a mate, we shaved the mohican into you and Cody's hair. And I remember we sent you home, and then I got a I got a phone call off your mum. <laughs> what have you done? What have you done to Steve's hair? I was like, oh no, it's just a Mohican. She's like, well, and how's your hair? I was like, oh no, my, mine's fine. I haven't done anything to mine. Yeah. You're not doing that. Yeah. Honestly, mine looked like a dead skunk on my head. It was like roadkill. I didn't even do anything with it. It was just like that long hair that I had, just 
flat on my head and just everything else gone. No wonder my mum's flipping like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I your mum's your your got a cop and it's just not styled enough. Because <laughs> yeah, you've got this flat skunk on your head. <laughs> <laughs> did you dye it green or did they make that up? No, I, I, I did spray it green for them. Um, I went to watch Green Day the night uh, in Manchester, wow. and that was interesting because wow. like, there was a few of us, and it was a bit rough. I think <laughs> we were around Old Trafford, and it was just us with like these mad dudes <laughs> from Liverpool, and just a load of like lads on BMXs wanting to kick the shit out of us, <laughs> and that's about <laughs> four foot nothing, about <laughs> six stone. <laughs> But yeah, I remember you and Cody would hang around the courts of a Saturday. I, I'd pop my head down every now and then, but um, it, it wasn't my bag. Everyone was kind of into Blink-182 and Red Hot Chili Peppers and all that. And You weren't into that way. You, stayed, you were like more the Black Sabbath no. and you know the actual Yeah, like, like Black Sabbath. I, I remember uh, asking my mum if she'd watched me Rage Against the Machine hoodie. So that's how <laughs> I like rebellious I was. And did she yeah. do what you told her? Ah, she, ah, she, she knew. She definitely, yeah, she knew. <laughs> Rage against the washing machine. When I say, ju- when I say jump, you say hi, how high? <laughs> now clean your room. <laughs> but I think it's safe to say uh, we, we banged on about the bars, but I think it's safe to say um, everything changed the moment me and you and again Cody first saw the Coral in the Stanley Theatre in about two thousand and two or three. I think that was the big game changer. That one. Like, it was that's when I, I suddenly like dropped the age against the machine hoodie and like <laughs> yeah, start to call, go down the court, calling them all goffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was on the Skeleton Key EP tour. So that's way before the first album. So we were early in on that, and it, it just blew our blew our minds wide open, didn't it? That. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I remember robbing the. Um, you know, not Robin, but took her off the wall like the uh, the EP poster and the Zuton supported that night. Did didn't like, he? Yeah. Before they were signed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who was it? The who was the other band? The two lads on the guitar. Hokum Clones. Uh, yeah, they played they as great. well. Um, yeah. So I got their signatures. Got the the coral. They all signed it, and then I got Mike, the security guy. <laughs> we <who laughs> yeah. found that weird and didn't grass us up. He signed <laughs> it as well. <laughs> so that would have been about two thousand two or three. But by the time we'd formed the band and we we were where we are now in the story that at all it was it was out of our reach that then wasn't it because as i say the coral had gone too big and even the zootons i think around this time if if valerie wasn't out it was on its way but they'd certainly had the first album which was mercury nominated so again although you'd see dave mccabe knocking around you'd always see him knocking around they, they, they weren't like a local band anymore were they so we didn't have anything to anchor ourselves to did we not really, just ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just trying to like make make our way, but like with all the MySpace stuff and like venturing into town, that was a way of trying to see where we can fit in. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. But we. I remember getting into that band, the music. Remember them? They were fantastic, weren't from, they? Yeah, they were around. That. I know they were from Leeds, but they were like kind of filled a little gap for about yeah. 20 minutes. So there were, like, bands around on the scene. When I say on the scene, you'd read in the NME or on MTV2, but at our level, well, you say grassroots, we weren't even grassroots, we were seedlings, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, there, was, there wasn't, like, that community of, oh, you've heard Forever Changes, have you? Have you got a guitar? It was it just... It wasn't even as if you look back and think, oh, no, other bands did this, we just didn't know them. There just wasn't that for a brief period of time, was there? Unless it was, like... 
an, an age thing for us because like all the bands that were knocking around in Liverpool, they seemed like proper adults. Yeah. And when I say proper yeah. adults, just in the twenties. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even like you could go over and hang, hang around with them because you just felt yeah. like a kid. Yeah, yeah. But at our age, they, they just they, they, there wasn't that. So, but this vacuum was kind of filled by. This stuff that we just got, well, I'm speaking for, for all of us, but we just couldn't relate to it, could we? The emo stuff, the what bands was it like? Was Michael Carolman's that around that time? Was it that yeah, type of stuff? Because they were like the new yeah. ones at that time, like yeah. Michael McCarroll, yeah, just I fucking hated them, yeah. I can't yeah. take it serious. And what no, was no, well, they were influential because it seemed like every band mm-hmm. that like our age you were picking up guitars were just putting on like this mad accent, yeah, crazy, crazy <laughs> accent. And I don't know, like, why you wouldn't, why, why you'd carry on like listening to it. Never mind, like, start an imitation band. Yeah. But that's all they were. They were just yeah. imitation. They weren't trying to like break the mold or give it a scouse twist. Or yeah, anything. it was just yeah. oh, dreadful. Dreadful. You should have done it like skiffle with power chords. You know, emotional <laughs> skiffle with power chords. <laughs> that would have made them more. Yeah, get the the emo washboard going. But imagine, like, there was like. Uh, so many bands you go and see in these like little clubs, and it'd be like yeah. four bands, and they're all singing about like being in detention after fucking geography or something. <laughs> and it's like fucking hell, what is going yeah. on here? Yeah, and then combine that with the, the, this rise of of social media generally, but particularly MySpace, and everything became about. We've said it before, but, but getting the image across, but all of a sudden the image that everyone seemed to be getting across was like, you know, long fringes across their eyes and black and white pictures and, you know, each to their own. I'm not I'm not knocking it, but we it was just another world for us, wasn't it? Oh, it, it was foreign to us. And like, we spoke about our air cuts and like yeah, another yeah. one. It, they weren't like that at all. <laughs> and pictures online, we didn't even throw our own picture up. No, no, sake, so. no. No, so but we didn't kick back against it because we, you know we we had mates involved in that scene and everyone was sound. It just wasn't our bag. But I think the way we pushed back against it was just leaning more into like our, our absurd stuff, wasn't it? Our interest, <laughs> which at the time uh, mainly consisted of <laughs> deal or no deal, took up a lot of our psyche, didn't it? No Edmonds in general, to be honest. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Yeah, he's had like so many revivals. <laughs> honestly, I don't know what he's doing now, but I bet he's got something lined he's up waiting. to keep him busy for another yeah. ten years. Honestly, <laughs> I used to have like uh, a news a newspaper clipping on me at all times <laughs> when he <laughs> he got caught speeding in his Ferrari naked, <laughs> and I, I don't know why he kept it on me. I don't know who I'm going to show it to. <laughs> But I remember having it folded up on my person yeah. for about probably about twelve months. To be honest, <laughs> <laughs> like someone's going to come over, like, oh, what about Noel Edmonds? And I, oh, you won't believe this. <laughs> Funny you should say. But we uh, we we became utterly obsessed with Deal or No Deal, and it it just took up so much of our conversations that we'd we'd end up ringing each other saying, "Have you seen it tonight?" Because it was the show itself was getting more and more absurd, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, essentially, you're just picking a box and it's all random, but Noel Edmonds just inhabited this godlike persona. Oh, the show would be over yeah. in five minutes, but because of him, you can get an hour out of it. <laughs> I, I do remember one guy going on it and he just went one, two, three, and yeah, three yeah, like yeah. that. And then he got like four grand. I was like, <laughs> fair enough, you just turned up and someone just gave you four grand. 
We were utterly in love with one of the contestants, weren't we? What was his name? Jordy. Jordy. I loved him. I loved him because he was a gobshite. Because <laughs> <laughs> every time, you know, like when another contestant was on and then, <laughs> like, and oh, Jordy, I want to pick Jordy's box and he'd come out with like some corny ass shit. And then reveal the box. And oh, don't worry, Geordie. Don't worry, Geordie. <laughs> yeah, 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 like yeah. when he like, just took the 250 grand off the, don't worry, Geordie. But he was just full of shit. And because there was like no on demand at the time or yeah. Sky Plus or whatever, whatever. But I remember when it was Geordie's turn, <laughs> Matty texts me, Are you watching it now? Are you watching it now? And I was like, oh, I'm going to have to run home and get this on. <laughs> but like, do you want to tell jo- about Geordie's tactic when it was his turn? No, you, you grand reveal. So Geordie gets pulled up by an old, it's your turn, and everyone's fucking buzzing for him. <laughs> <laughs> They're crying, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. And uh, he goes, right, no, no one's done this. <laughs> I'm just going to go left to right. <laughs> and then even Noel's like, oh, fuck, we need to get an hour out of this. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so he starts off, he, I think his first four boxes, he plays a fucking blinder. All <laughs> blues, he's fucking flying. <laughs> I forget what he ends up with, but he does not get 250 grand. But if you if you can find the episode on YouTube, and if you want to waste an hour, go, go and do it. <laughs> but honestly, Jordy, like, I wonder if he's still knocking around. I'd like to think so. I wonder what he spent his, his hard-earned cash on. <laughs> well, yeah. It just took over our life, and we, we'd be putting buttons on MySpace about our favourite deal or no deal uh, moments. They did revolve around Geordie. I think by the time we did get gigging, which you know, we'll come to another episode, I do remember us dedicating a song to, to Geordie. <laughs> says a lot, doesn't it? It does, it does. Yeah. Yeah. We loved how just the pomp that was just increasing week on week. No Edmonds, uh, just... He was almost like becoming a cult, wasn't he? He'd walk on the East Wing, the West Wing, the, the theatre, the, the Church of Dreams, and they'd all be holding hands by the end. Oh, it was like chanting. cult-like. Yeah, it was. The end. But like, <laughs> I've seen enough sense not to get... <laughs> I went drinking the Kool-Aid by that point, you know what I mean? I applied for it and was asking all my questions like that. Like, oh. do you believe, like, the stars align for it? Really? I'm like, look, mate, I'm on the dole. I just want to try and get... Like, I'll, I'll take the offer at 300 quid, to be honest. <laughs> Give me my bus fare and give me 300 quid home. Sad. From Nippleboy UK. <laughs> <laughs> but I would have, I think if I would have been on, I would have been like really aggressive. Do you know what I'd be like, oh, don't worry about it. Why the fuck is 250 grand in your box? Would you, would you have been Stee or Frank? Ah, oh, Francis all day. Francis all <laughs> day. <laughs> Oh man, and we agonised over who the banker might have been. Did you hear it today? You could hear his voice. Oh, it's, yeah, it's definitely bloke. Did you get an accent on it? Who's the banker? Who's the banker? We, we, oh, was, our lives revolved around that. Other bands were probably, I don't know, experimenting with mind bending drugs, but not on. Learning their instruments. Oh, well, there is that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of what they or missed out on. A bass player. <laughs> a bass player. A bass player. <laughs> <laughs> Given that one of our, our main songs started with a bass line. <laughs> I could have been behind one of the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so this is what we spent our time doing. That was our scene. That was our scene. Oh, no. what, what else did we lean into? Very much um, just daft pictures of fishermen with long beards. Yeah, the fishermen with long beards. <laughs> um, grandstand theme tunes. Just yeah. yeah. I think that's a thing now, but I think we were way before oh, yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called library music now, isn't it? There's big connections, but we were just banging to 
theme tunes, weren't we? Uh, Grandstand, yeah. Big Break was a was a Big a, Break's the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great, great the lyrics in it. <laughs> what is it, Steve? What's your favourite lyric? Love is a game. Snooker's the same. <laughs> Shakespeare wish he had that line. That's it, that's it. 20 years I've been trying to top that letter. <laughs> and in, in the midst of this was was, was Army Cozy. We, 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 we'd be keen to push out to the world. He was nowhere near in the band, but his pearls of wisdom were just... He's, he's a genius. He, he certainly is. I remember him opening the door for a pizza guy. <laughs> he was a bit stoned and ordered this pizza. And he, I don't know why we were all naked, but <laughs> <laughs> he opened the door and he had this raster hat. <laughs> yeah, it, it must have been, it must have been your hat, your raster hat, Matty. And he had it covering his bollocks, but he's paying the guy in like ten p's, like this twenty quid pizza. Well, probably not twenty quid back then. What eight quid in, in like ten p's? And then he dropped loads of the money, and he's like, "Oh, sorry, mate." And then bent over to get the change, and the pizza guy was like, "Oh, fucking hell!" <laughs> Just have it. Yeah, we had a habit of um, streaking for for a, a very short period. Um, no explanation. I don't think we need to go into that anymore. But we had we had a, just a. Ah, yeah. we didn't get battered. Oh, I know. Like, I know. Saturday night streaking around Old Swan in the buff. <laughs> Fucking hell! Just a rasta hat. Well, my next door neighbours like the next day be like, "Were you running around the streets naked last night?" Like, no, nah, it wasn't me. <laughs> you beat with the rasta hat on. <laughs> Too busy robbing football flags from the fields. <laughs> well, Cody's one that the, the one that really sticks in the mind is the one I've mentioned in the narrative. There, the um, I'm not including anyone. I'm not excluding anyone. But you're all cunts. I mean, how'd you top that? Let's see that that's up there with Captain Sensible, isn't it? <laughs> isn't you know? it just that that incident is another daft daft story. Um, we were all in Cody's playing flood, no doubt. The the the, the card game with no rules other than you had to stick your card to your fod. Um, I don't know why, don't know why, but we were uh, in Cody's conservatory and Cody <laughs> goes around with a fruit bowl to everyone and says, see that house over there? They've got, he backed onto, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a drug dealer. <laughs> all right, yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, lads, you, can you just all lash fruit at his window for me, please? <laughs> so we all obliged, like, oh, yeah, all right, no sweat off my brow. We're all there lobbing tangerines and, and bananas at this house. And then, of course, before long, there's a knock on the door. And there's a very angry drug dealer. Cody's half cut. He's going, the fuck are you doing? Throwing fruit at my house. And Cody, he just goes, it wasn't us. And then he goes, it wasn't us, but you know what? The same thing's been happening to me. <laughs> the thing is though we were throwing the free from his back garden so the only house it could have been was ours or the 90 year old woman next door so <laughs> he just out and out denied it oh no the same thing's been happening to me if I catch them mate if I catch them I'll let you know <laughs> and then we'd had enough of him we locked him out in his own garden and then when we uh, we opened the door, he was like a oh, he was like a caged lion, wasn't he? <laughs> I remember when he stormed back in because <laughs> he had a downstairs toilet, <laughs> and I fucking bailed to go up his stairs. But Steve was coming out of the toilet, <laughs> yeah, and he just got he just got swatted in the back of the head out of nowhere. <laughs> he didn't even see it coming. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'd had two bottles of Aussie White to me at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when he, he rounded us all up and said, you know, not including or excluding anyone, but, you know, and to, to this day, that that's still, I can't, I can't top that, that wisdom. Yeah, I want that on my grave, like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. God, that's Cody. This ascendancy of popularity and increased, no matter how small, attention also meant that we felt the urgent need to spread the good word of the Albany in person. And with the fervour of a prophet returning from the wilderness, we eagerly cornered anyone we could find in the pubs and bars of Liverpool and told them how we were the next big thing and we were going to conquer the town in a matter of time. Around this point, people were starting to notice us, though, weren't they, in town? Even though we only had um, like one song up on, no pictures of us. It caught fire, because in those days, it didn't take much to reach people, did it, online? Like, now, if you want to reach someone, you know, an audience, you've got to pay for a promoted post, or you've got to have the right hashtag, or crack the algorithm. Mm. There was none of that then, was there? It was just, if someone was following you, they saw you. And so... Yeah, they didn't have, like, social media teams or anything. So no. if you're eight of the bands, you could message them instantly <laughs> and say how shit they were and they'd respond. Which you did. But, which I did most, <laughs> most nights. It was the Wild West, weren't it? Oh, yeah. Remember, we, we'd attract some right weirdos. I mean, that's fair enough, really. But we'd, I remember there was one bloke from Wakefield, I can't remember his name, and he just looked like a horrible... A horrible scumbag on his picture and he'd always just message Steve in particular just giving you abuse I, mean, I don't even know who you fucking are <laughs> picture was him with hardly any teeth and a roly you know really smoking it down uh, to yeah. the filter and he'd just give Steve just a barrage of abuse just for no reason uh, I probably deserved it to be honest <laughs> nipple boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't the six-year-old kid he was messaging. <laughs> I remember we used to interview ourselves, didn't we? Oh, like on the on the bulletin, on the bulletin. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. For, again, I know it sounds old, but MySpace it was you'd have your profile and you you'd, you'd put out bulletins, which was it was like just a, a mass message to everyone, wasn't it? A bit like Facebook statuses now, but it was, yeah, it was a, you could customize it a bit more and yeah, to uh, like go into it to read the content and yeah, yeah. it wasn't yeah, just yeah. like a, a status. Yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't in your feed, was it? But yeah. you clicked on your bulletin board, everyone you'd see would follow, and we used to use that to like interview ourselves and lean further into this daftness didn't we absolutely <laughs> <laughs> like frank button inter- inter- interviews rowie of the just, albany just like stupid questions like like the deal or no deal what's your favorite show and yeah music that you're into but like for some reason people were like lapping it up oh yeah 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 especially yeah. this like frank button character caught fire caught fire and we, we did like we, we pretended there was going to be a meet and greet in um, the Jacaranda, we like, we were pretending, you know, to, for one night only, come meet Frank Button and the Albany, and like we had people messaging going, oh, "Is this happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this is, come come down and, and meet Frank Button?" Whoa, this is this is catching, man. <laughs> I'd, I'd only turn up if they buy me a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and then. But, you- Go ahead, Steve. Yeah, just should have known, like, so in the Jacaranda, because we spent a lot of time in the Jacaranda, didn't we, downstairs? <clears throat> but the same thing happened every night. We got pissed and just sing kids' TV shows. <laughs> <didn't we? laughs> you know, 
that's mainly what our nights kind of would, would have grand ideas and then start singing um, the f- fun house or something like that. Yeah, they were our band meetings, really, weren't they? Yeah, never got anything out of them apart from just <laughs> an hangover, to be honest. And if we did meet anyone that was like interested, like fans, or like I'd say fans, like fans, <laughs> you always they always like should have been in prison or something. <laughs> in these early days, yeah, yeah, we had nothing to back ourselves up with. It was just daft, and uh, but we were doing it on our own, weren't we? Like there was no other band. It's not as if there were a bunch of bands and this is what you do, and um, you know there's a scene built around this nonsense. We we just didn't give a, a toss about anyone else. Like Steve was saying there, but there was no like blueprint to do it because mm. it was all like new to social media. So it it was strange. Like when we'd be out in town of the of a weekend, and you're getting like shouts of like oh the Albany, yeah. the Albany, and you just. You turn around and you wouldn't have a clue who said it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I definitely heard it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> People are digging this. See, I think at the time as well, I think I started working in the crack while, when I just turned 18. Like the pub, the town. crack. Yeah, the little, yeah. And that had like quite a few like interesting characters in it. And I'd work like most days and just sell our band constantly. Yeah. By like just being like the biggest bullshitter <laughs> and saying out oh, these tunes we've got and all this yeah. and really we had nothing but oh yeah so that that helped a bit the, like, the image i've got is that like we'd all be in separate corners badgering separate people about the band yeah so i'd be like cornering someone saying and you know but the greatest thing if brian wilson would have kept it together and came from merseyside he'd be us yeah yeah sound yeah keep an eye on us i'd turn around walk away and now we'd be badgering someone else and then we'd look at Steve, be haranguing someone, saying, we're the best, we're the best, we're the best. It was like a mission, like we were like preachers. Yeah, we didn't know what else to do or how, <laughs> how to do it. So we're like, you've just got to bug people and <laughs> tell them that there's something, that, there's something coming and you better get ready and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. just like See, strap if you, in. If you got those like three groups of people together... And said, "What was? What were they talking about?" Then you would have got you would have got three different responses about what <laughs> yeah. band that was. You would have got Brian Wilson, you know, Libertines or something, and then Slipknot. <laughs> you know, so. There is one such incident that sticks in the mind. One balmy summer evening, Steve, Bob, Cody, and I were having a drink in what was then called Hannah's Bar, which had the best beer garden in the city. Fueled by ale, we were aggrandizing about our non-existent legacy and our equally as absent achievements. At one point, we struck up a conversation with a bunch of unassuming lads who were sat by us, who explained that they too were in a band. We'd heard of them via the NME, and things got off to a fantastic start when Cody proclaimed his love for the band's album. This was met with a pregnant pause before their singer matter-of-factly explained that not only had the album not been released yet, it wasn't even recorded which is why they were in Liverpool, to visit Par Street Studios. Undeterred by such a faux pas, we badgered them further and we got them to sign a bunch of napkins and a card they had that offered a delivery service for magic mushrooms. They were patient enough, but clearly didn't appreciate us handing them, and it couldn't have been long before we started talking to them about our fantastic band. I recall that once it was my turn to step up to the podium and preach the gospel of the Albany and the good book of Groovy Gary, their drummer rolled his eyes and asked me what we were called. The Albany, I proudly proclaimed. Shit name for a band, nah, he said before returning to his drink. 
Are you fucking messing? Especially with a name like your band? I spluttered before rounding up the gang and vacating Hannah's bar in disbelief and disgust at the affront of a band with such a rubbish name criticising ours. <sighs> what did they know? I do often wonder whatever became of the Arctic Monkeys. So, yeah, that night, yeah. when we were in Hannah's bar, I can't, we were out before, where, or you guys had been to a beach or something, I can't remember, but everyone was dressed mad, and I turned up late. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and you were all done in anyway. <laughs> I think I had, like, a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, Christ, yeah. Like, it, you looked a mess. <laughs> like, I, I'm not saying I didn't, but, like, I was dressed for the occasion for going out and still look, managed to make myself look like a knob. Oh, that explains even more. That explains even why, even why they were less interested in talking to us. I can't remember who, who, who got into conversation with them. You went there, were you? I, were we, I've... No, um, but, like, Art and Monkeys were, like, massive on MySpace before they released anything. That's and it, yeah. I remember, like, getting the demos from wherever, like, online. And I remember, like, banging on a bar in, in college to Cody. So, like, I must have planted a seed there for him to, like, for the name to stick. But I loved them. They, they, were, they were brilliant. It was it was new. It, it, unfortunately, we weren't from Liverpool because we would have been able to, like, hang out with them, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, the night was all on news. You, 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 you were there to, like, sell us and... Didn't quite do that. And, uh, <laughs> our, our opening gambit was was Cody. So it's only going to go one way from there, isn't it? <laughs> only going to go. I remember him saying, oh, no, no, I, I love you. I love that. I love your album. And Alex Turner just kind of looked at him and went, we ain't recorded it, mate. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. Like, oh, oh, okay, okay. Take two, take two. Come on, come on. Right. Got one more shot at this. I remember Matt Helder. He's sitting with his back to me and kind of goes, you know, Fine. What's your band? What are you called? The Albany shit name. That just looked away. Oh, I was just incensed. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. I remember saying you are called the fucking Arctic Monkeys. What, what do you know? Oh yeah. What do they know? Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know which band I'd rather be in. <clears throat> yeah. Like I, I remember going into Anna's bar and Bob was in the shorts and pulled out some modern money and bought me like two Dr Peppers to like try and catch me up. Dr Pepper shots, weren't they? Yeah, Dr. Pepper shots, yeah. And uh, obviously they didn't have any money and Bob was paying <laughs> yeah. as ever. And uh, and then when I was when I was getting <clears> my <throat> drinks, there was a lad in there, like a bit older than us, I think, but I got chatting to him anyway. And of course I weren't asking anything about his band or anything. I was just <laughs> I was talking at him about the Lars gig at the Ritz. Yes. Like being a Jehovah's Witness Lars, nutter, yeah. just like and then when I came outside, like these are all sitting there, like in the beer garden type thing. And uh, I said, I was just speaking to a nice lad there about the Lars. Uh, he's in a band. He had a name. I think said like the Arctic Monkeys or something. I didn't get it right, like the yeah. Monkeys or something. Yeah. Like, and um, and then I remember he's going, fuck off. The Arctic Monkeys are over there. And I was like, yeah, why are you, Ardy? <laughs> I'd never even heard of them. And then that's when we went over and made absolute dickheads out of ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't into them and I will now hands up say it, it was pure jealousy like, I, I refused to listen to them because the, the pain of seeing a band rise dead quick and like uh, exploiting my space and, and doing what I wanted to be doing that really that panged I was like I can't even face 
I can't face listening to them. So I didn't actually know a note by them, but I knew they were the they were the shit up band in town. And that stuck with me for years. That I was just so jealous of the Arctic Monkeys. And so when they, they told us we had a shit name, oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew we were in trouble when we met them because they had a bass player as well. <laughs> I said, oh, what do you play? And he went bass. I was like, yeah, these have got to, they're going to go somewhere. They've got to play a bass player. <laughs> Can you play Big Break? Or did you pass any game, like, right? advice to them? Oh, probably, oh, I was probably. I was chatting at them about this the the Lars <laughs> just being a, being but no wonder like no girl even listened to me because that's all they kept got, got, got banging <laughs> on about just like fucking the Lars at the Ritz best thing ever <laughs> the Lars uh, boring myself <laughs> and then that was six months ago then, as well wasn't it like, it wasn't yeah, as if we come I, straight I was, from it I think we were doing all right with the conversation because we weren't like starstruck or anything because they weren't yeah. They weren't anything really that weird. famous. Like they were known, yeah. They were known. But Cody, Cody said the the line, yeah. the first thing, yeah. and then it just went downhill from there. It did. It did. I've got the signatures <laughs> got... from it. That's what Cody got his dad at least. Yes, you've still got them, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. So like the next day in college, Cody was obviously because I think no WhatsApp groups or whatever. Cody just froze as a napkin. <laughs> I was like, what's this? He's like, oh, that band, uh, the Arctic Monkeys. There's the signatures there. I was like, what? So, oh, yeah, I was out with them last night. And Matthew said, I was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> I forgot, yeah. I, I had a magic mushroom delivery card and I got them all to sign it. Yeah. Have you still got that? No, I mean, mum threw it away. <laughs> <laughs> she found it with some other material. Paraphernalia. Yeah. Oh, man. But I, I remember I had it stuck on the um, on the coral post that was yeah. signed by Mike, the security guy, and everyone. And, uh, <sighs> Yeah, it was the original line up on it, the original bass player. Yeah, yeah, so you probably were inspired by the album and he fucked off the bass yeah. player. <laughs> then realised like... a hot second later, <laughs> no, we need one. Imagine me going on Antiques Roadshow in like 30 years and saying, well, Stephen here's got a magic mushroom delivery card <laughs> by, uh, signed by the Arctic Monkeys. Tells the story. <laughs> right, so Cody. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, the number still works. <laughs> <laughs> but there was no other band like them, even on the ascendancy around us, was there? So that that was a proper brush with brush with fame. Um, and then we shook ourselves off and got back to talking about deal or no deal, didn't we? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> better, didn't it? Then? <laughs> no, I remember it a couple of years later. Um, they were playing, uh, I think it might have been the second album, uh, Art Among He's in town and he was playing at the academy. Mm. So, me and my missus, we didn't have a ticket, but we thought, you know, we'll try and get one outside off a tout. And uh, as we were coming down London Road, I see uh, the guitarist, Jamie Cook. Oh, yeah, who, yeah, yeah. And he's just walking on his bill. So, like, kind of like still new band, and yeah. you're not going to get both. I said, I said to him, let's get off the bus here and go over. So, I went over to him and he's just walking like along St. George's. I went, Jamie, Jamie, Jamie. He just turns around. Have we got any any tickets for tonight? Oh, no, sold out, mate. Uh, the, the biggest thing since yeah, sliced bread. Yeah. Sold out, mate. Um, I've passed all my tickets off. You're going to have to ask like, one of the support bands. I was like, oh, come on, lad. Come <laughs> here. Just get, get us in there. Get us in there. He's like, do you know where the rat and parrot is? I was like, I'll walk you. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> didn't, get, didn't get, yeah, took him to the rat and parrot. Didn't get a ticket out of it. Like. <laughs> I'd like to think they'll be telling these stories one day. Yeah, 
We met Remember this band, right? Remember them knobheads? They did an interview not long after that, you know, and they got asked about recording in Liverpool. <clears throat> I don't know if it's in the NMA or something, they said, yeah, Liverpool, but like Liverpool's great in that, but the bands are like, like knobheads or something like that, or the egos are too big. And I was thinking, I hope he means us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to hunt that interview out. <laughs> yeah. He's not wrong. <laughs> no, oh God, no. He's just said them, it sure. in one line that this whole episode's about yeah. to <laughs> I'm sure Bob got them around in, though. So they should have just been grateful for that. They should have known the place. They should have known, yeah. Support us. The the shorts, minus fours, buying you a drink. We'd have been telling them to support us with our egos back then, wouldn't we? We'll get you the slot, get you the slot at the CI, mate, don't you worry. So Long Too Long is a podcast written by me, Matty Lappin and Day, also starring Liam Rowlands and Steve Buckley. For more information, search So Long Too Long Podcast on all socials or email us at solongtoolongpod at gmail.com. So Long Too Long is part of the Club Shipwreck Network. For more information, go to www.patreon.com slash clubshipwrecked. Thanks to John Gibbons and the Anfield Rap for Loan of the Studio. Yeah.